Be sure to tune in to the latest episodes of our show where we break down and analyze the latest in sports news and info. Catch us on the Spotify, Radio Public, and Breaker apps, as well as Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook at Fourth Quarter Podcast with Ed and Unc, on Twitter at Fourth underscore Podcast, and on Instagram at Ed and Unc. To yesterday's podcast, I explained that my 76 is my choice to make the finals, and I gave my, my reasons why to that. And I also knew they were going to play yesterday night as well, so I knew the result of that game was going to tell me a whole lot going forward. And what I know going forward now is exactly what I figured before the game and it was that the Celtics are the only team that can be real the 76ers chances of going to the finals for one simple reason they have the mental edge on them if you think if you think about it if you put this current 76ers team with the players they have now Outside of Celtics, if you put if you match them up against any other team that's currently in the East for playoffs, who do you definitively say that they're going to beat the 76 to the second game series? Truly, none of them, really. Milwaukee, no, we're not, no, because after Giannis, the next, the four next best players are on the 76 Toronto, like I said, Embiid be the best player. Then you have Kawhi being the next best players on the 76ers. And like everyone else, it's not even relevant. But Boston, still, Boston has the most talented team as far as they have the most talent on the team. Philadelphia has the best on five in the East. But as far as overall roster talent, the Celtics have, have been beat in that, which falls into the depth category. And we know they played in, in the second round last year with the Celtics beating them uh, four games to one, beating Philadelphia. And we know 
uh, three, three of those games came to last possession games. And we all figured going into this season that our Philadelphia needed more, more shooting, more scores on the team. That way, in playoff time, you know, all the focus isn't on Embiid and Simmons, you know, they can have other options to go to. Well, the Celtics, if they play like they played last night, with Hay- and Hayward, Gordon Hayward, he's really the X factor. Because we've seen what this team is without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward last year going into the playoffs. And so, if you add this Gordon Hayward to the way he played last night, and really going forward, if he plays this way, with this, we don't need you to be the guy in Utah to slash or get into the bucket, get in 20 a game. We just, we need you to spot up, make, make open threes, make open shots. If he can do that, if he can play that role, then the Celtics ultimately are going to end up upsetting the Philadelphia 76ers because at the end of the day, they're going to have the mental edge on them and they're going to have the coaching, the coaching edge over the 76ers as well. And like I said, the mental aspect plus the coaching is going to really make a difference in the series. Right? But like I said, it all hinges on Jordan Hayward. You know, people, people are saying it. Playoffs is going to have Kyrie is, but we know, but we've seen the playoff Kyrie before. We know when playoff time comes, he's locked in, he's engaged, he's going to know his role, he's going to know when the game is on the line, put the ball in his hands, and he's going to bring it to the promised land. So, I'm not too much concerned with Kyrie. Gordon Hayward is my X factor for him. If he can be the guy that played how he played last night, they'll be good to go. Yeah. With that being said, I can't expect Gordon Hayward to be that Gordon Hayward every game in the series. So, like I said, I'll go back to my original point from yesterday's podcast. My pick about the Eastern 76ers. But, like I said, we don't know. We don't know if Gordon Hayward might just surprise us. And out of nowhere, for like four games, gives us this Gordon Hayward hit we had seen yesterday. But... If I had to pull my on it, I wouldn't. I don't think it's going to happen. And we also got to take into account that the Celtics are 8-2 and two in games without Kyrie this year. And we know how they, how the ball movement, the equal opportunities for everyone on the, uh, on the court. And we know how the, how the offense runs without Kyrie. Brad Stevens can coach those guys how he wants to coach them, which is keep the ball moving, get, keep moving the ball around. Passing it, everybody's cutting, moving around, no one's standing still, watching one person dribble. You know, they can play how they want to be put, how they want to play, and want to be coached. And with that being, and with that being said, the Celtics—they're in—they're in a peculiar situation because I don't think we've seen anything like this before. With the amount of talent they got, plus having a superstar Kyrie, plus having another star. Gordon Hayward, who's coming off a really, really bad injury, who's giving you these splashes of what he used to be. I mean, it's it's just it's it's like being it's like it's like a Twilight Zone situation. If, if, if that makes sense, you know, it's just not it's not no it's not it's just it seems weird, you know, because credit to uh, Nick Wright, uh, first things first, uh, uh, Fox Fox Sports One. 
you know, the Celtics have the fourth best net rating in the NBA, but have the eighth night best record in the NBA. Like, the analytics shows that they're better than their record shows. And, like I said, 10 games this year without Kyrie, they're 82. So, really, it's, it's, it's something. It's, it's just weird, if you ask me. But, going to the 76ers now, 76ers are 1-7 against the top three teams that we consider in the East, in Boston, Milwaukee, and Toronto. Now, we already know about the rock they have against Boston. And, and another thing, another reason why I think the Celtics are the only team that can derail them is that no one else in the conference can guard Joel Embiid except Al, Al Horford. Like, yeah, Joel Embiid had 23 points, but it was on 9 22 shooting. You know, no one else gives Embiid problems as far as when he's down in the paint. Because if there's anyone else, he gets what he wants. He's a bully down there and everything. So, but for some reason, when he plays Al Horford, Al Horford is an excellent defender. He's really an underrated player overall. Especially for his defense. He knows how to play Embiid. He makes him work for every point. He's going to make him earn every every bucket that he, that he gets in the game. Because if you look at it, if you look at it, uh, Embiid, like I say, he was now 22 from the field. He also had eight three-point attempts with only four free throw attempts. Because now, with that, looking at that, because we know Joel Embiid is second in the league in free throw, free throw attempts behind James Harden, of course, and the fact that he only had four attempts with five fouls in the game, like I said, I hope they're having his number, and we know that the 76ers' success all resides on Embiid, uh, the offense going through Embiid, and him dominating like he does, and so, like I said, with the fact that Al Horford, the way he plays him, you know, and they have that mental mental blocking on them from last year, beating them in last year's series. I just think the, uh, the Celtics just got their number, and I think the 76ers just, like I said, just like the, just like the same team from last year. So I think having the veterans around, Jimmy Butler, having the Tobias Harris, who's been around the ringer, you know, he's been through the block, been around the block, and I think he's going to help those young guys. Pull, pull through and pull it together come playoff time just like Jimmy Butler but I think that like I said I still predict them to come out the East to represent the East in the finals and I just think the Celtics are the only team that can derail them off of it and like I said it's all contingent on if depending on what going ahead that we get because we know everybody we, we, we don't get from everybody else with Kyrie on the court and without Kyrie on the court. But it's just Gordon Hayward. He's, he's the question mark. But, so it's really all hinging on how he plays. Because if he plays like that, then even without Kyrie, they are a pretty legitimate contender in the East to uh, make it to the finals. Because we've seen what they did without Hayward and Kyrie uh, last year, going to game seven against LeBron in the conference finals. So I just think. Uh, the Celtics are their only threat in the East. That's just me. Uh, coming up next on the Fourth Quarter Podcast, we have an up 
I want to discuss the woeful Lakers and why and why I think the L.A. Brown project is a failure and why everyone is going to regret doing it. This is the Fourth Podcast. The LeBron led Lakers. We know they played the Hawks last night, and we also know it was not pretty at all. The Hawks beat the Lakers, and let me be clear: these are the Atlanta Hawks of the Eastern Conference of the NBA, the team that is literally not trying to win anything this year. They're literally trying to lose. They're literally trying to do the opposite of good pretty much and they beat the Lakers 117 to 113 the Hawks had 10 three pointers in the first quarter in the first quarter alone and the Lakers almost gave up 70 points in the first half now LeBron he had a triple double with 28 points 11 rebounds and 16 assists but what I I want to look at is the 20 shots and the 10 three point attempts like, if you were watching the game, LeBron's body language is, is just it's negative. It's, it's just, I don't know what's a better term for it. It's just his body language just doesn't show. If you at least you just look defeated, like, not, not in the sense that, you know, that he's just out of there, that he thinks nothing, he doesn't. I'm not saying that he thinks this is all going to be, he's regretting this already pretty much. Like, I don't think he's he's doing that. But at the same time, he's just, I mean, you can just see it in his in his body language, man. He's like, man, what did I get myself into here, man? And I believe initially he thought what the plan was going to be was that they were going to get Paul George. They, I think that's what it all came down to. I think they thought that they were going to really get Paul George over there this year. And when Paul George, when he went ahead and stayed in Oklahoma City, that really set the precedent for the events that are going to occur this summer and going forward. Because he, Paul George, that's all he talked about was getting to L.A., and the fact that he was a complete free agent with no ties to anyone, he could choose where he wanted to go. He had the chance to go to L.A. And he go to L.A. when he knew LeBron was going. But you knew if they think that they were going to have a pretty good shot at being a title contender. But he decided to stay out from the city. And I said in the podcast yesterday that Paul George's decision is going to come back to haunt the Lakers because they had a chance to trade for him when he was in Indiana. And they did not get it done. So, like I said from yesterday, that Paul George, that Paul George decision is going to come back to haunt them. Now, 
The Lakers, they're 28 and 29. They're a game under 500. They're two and a half games behind of the eight seed. They placed them in the 10th seed. And the reasons why I think this LeBron project is going to ultimately be a failure is because, and this is credit to Colin Cowherd on the herd, LeBron just brings a certain stress to the franchise, to the coach, to the teammates, the front office. He just brings a, a kind of baggage and stress that just weighs on you eventually. You know, it, it sometimes it's quicker than other times, but eventually it just weighs on you. You saw it in Cleveland. You saw it in Miami towards the last championship run. You know, you see it here. LeBron just wears on you. A lot comes with LeBron. You know, I don't I don't think Luke Walton, honestly, is going to make it through the whole season coaching this team. And I know Jenny Bustine was the one that hired him. She's the one that signed off on it. But I just think that Luke isn't the coach for this, for this team with LeBron. I think when Jenny hired him, she hired him in – you know, regards to the young, the young players, developing the young players, and building, building something with them in the franchise. When the possibility of LeBron coming to LA came came to fruition, that's when Magic Johnson, Rob Palenka came into the mix, and then, like I said, they eventually got LeBron out there because, like I said, Magic didn't hire Luke. You know. That's the genie bus. He, he was already on Magic out there, so I don't think I don't think Walton's going to make it past this season because you can just see it. You can see it in the, in the players' development. You know they're just not developing the way we saw. You know it looks like players don't want to play for them no more after the trade, and it's not it ain't Luke Walton's fault. But credit to Jalen Rose on Jalen's coaches. Somebody has to be a scapegoat. It's not going to be LeBron. Yeah, it's not the young guys because they will literally trade bait. So, like, they already know their position in all this. So, it's not going to be Magic Johnson, of course. So, who's left is Luke Walton. And I think he's just – and I just believe this is a scapegoat situation where it's going to be. There's going to have to be some scapegoat somewhere. And I think Luke Walton is the ultimate candidate for that. So I, th- I just think with that, you know, players not developing, players don't want to play for him. You know, his record outside of Golden State, you know, isn't great at all, at, really at all. And, you know, the front office is overrated. People, I mean, people think just Magic Johnson and people think his greatness as a player is going to transition into the front office. And we, we saw the kind of general manager Magic Johnson is, is going to be going forward with this Anthony Davis trade talk that came about. I mean, Magic handled that so fast. I mean, he handled that horribly. I mean, the fact that you were bidding against yourselves and the Pelicans was pretty much sending you the voicemail. I mean, and you met it, you, you, you seemed like you were begging instead of trying to conduct business with another franchise. It seemed like you were begging, trying to get a player 
and Pelicans pretty much just played you. You know, the Lakers then lost the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Hawks, who all who the Knicks they're by they're most most likely have the number one pick. The Cavs they're literally trash. They're gonna be a top five pick, and the Hawks who I just already discussed are literally trying trying to lose. So I'm just saying with all that the LeBron baggage, the LeBron stress, you know, I like I also said, I really think they're going to miss out on getting a free, a key free agent this summer. I don't think no one's going to come to LA to play with LeBron. Not no All NBA player, at least. I honestly think that, and ultimately, since he's not going to get that second partner in crime to help to help him. Uh, get you a championship that's ultimately going to be the final straw in this project and that and it's going to end up with LeBron going into his 17th, 18th and 19th year you know just being average and you know for somebody that's of his caliber of his greatness you know you that, that is a horrible way to finish your career and he really, like, he wanted to come to L.A., try to win championships, so that he can submit himself as a certain GOAT in his own right. You know, he was able to win championships in three franchises, win finals MVP in three franchises, and to do it in small markets and the big markets as well. He can afford to be the Lakers of all teams. He will, like I said, Anything short of that, anything short of him getting the championship in LA is a failure, and I don't think he's going to get his championship in LA because of all the factors that I've just laid out. I just think he should have went to like the Spurs or someone where he had a better chance of winning because of it's a more stable environment and you have this great coach and everything, so you have someone who can manage a LeBron James. You have someone that LeBron James looks up to, and someone who is not going to question question his methods to how he approaches the game, because he he knows that his basketball IQ is as high or higher than himself. So I just think going to LA was was the worst decision. I think it was more of a business decision than a basketball decision. I just think. He's, I think he's satisfied, to be honest with you. I think he's satisfied with what he's accomplished for his championship-wise. And I think he's just going into the business stage. You know, he's on the back end of his prime, and he's just going about his life after basketball. And I think that, with that being said, he's not having that full, full championship focus that he had before. And he didn't have no championship now he's taking taking it as you know what else do I have to prove and now he's just like at the end of the day I know where my legacy will stand in, in time and I just think that he's got complacent and he's, he's fine with what's going on like I said we know we know they're not going to trade LeBron we know LeBron ain't going nowhere so he's just he's just Kick that Cadillac and <laughs> the Lakers they just they got themselves in a bind that 
they're not going to be able to get out of it unless a, unless an NBA player or a superstar ends up deciding to go there when it's all said and done. If LeBron doesn't get a superstar to come play with him, he's not going to win anything. If he gets one, he has a chance. And if he has a chance, then more than likely he'll get it done. But it all hinges on that. So I just, I don't, I don't, me personally, I don't think anyone's going to come and play with him. And ultimately, it's going to be a waste, a waste of the rest of LeBron's career. Uh, well, that'll do it for today, folks. You know, I made it a short show today. You know, I, I didn't want to get it too much into the NFL stuff because, well, I, I'll go ahead and re- relate the news from it. Uh, the Denver Broncos supposedly, supposedly traded for Joe Flacco. So, Joe Flacco will be playing for the Denver Broncos going to next season. We also know that Jason Downs signed Kareem Hunt to a one-year deal. And we all know he's still on the commissioner's exempt list, so we don't know when exactly he's going to play football again. But Cleveland Browns retain half his rights as of right now even though he's on the commission exemption. That's really all uh, that's occurred in the NFL. I just want to throw that in there in case for the football heads out there. I know this is the NBA show and we've been focusing a lot on NBA, but um, I want to make sure I incorporate NFL news into as many shows as I can as the news drops going forward up until the new season. But anyway, that'll do it for us on, this, on today's show. You know, I'm up, coming to you from the Anchor app, your number one spot for recording, editing, and distributing your podcast. If anyone interested in starting a podcast, I definitely recommend the Anchor app. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts, on the Breaker, Spotify, and Outcast app. You can catch us on Facebook at 440 Podcast. You can catch us on Twitter at 4th underscore podcast. And you can catch us on Instagram at Ed and Unk. I will check in with y'all tomorrow with the latest news and topics from the league. And y'all enjoy y'all's Wednesday. This is Unk, check it out.